You're listening to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we talk to some of the smartest entrepreneurs and fastest growing brands on the market today. I'm your host, Laurel Mintz, a reformed corporate M&A attorney who founded award-winning LA-based marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We've elevated some of the world's biggest brands from Facebook, Paw Patrol, and Verizon to innovative startups you haven't even heard of yet. Are you ready to elevate your brand? Keep listening. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I'm joined today by Amelda Wallavalkar, who is the co-founder and CEO of Pure Beauty. Amelda, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. This has been one of my favorite products to try. And you would think that Pure Beauty uh, would be something in like the skincare beauty space. You know, that's kind of what it sounds like. But in fact, you have nothing to do with that space. And I, I think it's very intentional uh, from what you and I have chatted about. So tell us, what is Pure Beauty? Yeah, so we're uh, we're a boutique cannabis brand based in Los Angeles, California. We um, We focus on indoor flower pre-rolls, and then we just launched a drink. We also um, have our Pure Beauty drugstore where we sell, you know, art pieces, shirts, sweats, and things that are connected to the culture we've created. All kinds of fun swag. And you were so kind to send me the product, which I definitely imbibed in. uh, And it's so fun. Uh, I love the little details. So first of all, I know sustainability and packaging was really, really important to you. And the the textural elements of the packaging, it's got that really matte feel. So even though it's super green, it feels very elevated. Can you share with us a little bit about kind of that green journey? I know that's been very important for you in the brand. Yeah. So, um, so I think that was super important to us from the very beginning. Um, it's extremely challenging if you know cannabis regulations, because there's all sorts of languages like, like the government warning and, um, we have to like THC levels and all sorts of things that need to be included on the packaging. So ideally we would have just had these very tiny little packages, but you know, and they also have to be child resistant. So, and the, the regulations around child resistance are really hard. So the way we approached it was, um, we wanted to just have as little packaging as possible or as little to throw away. So we were very mindful of that. We focused on paper, um, and then we actually made the first uh, plant starch mylar bag. And that took us, it seemed like it was going to be an easy task. So all of the, you know, the pre-rolls, they came in that like plasticky looking bag and people always think it's plastic. Mm-hmm. That's actually made of plant starch. And ah. so, yeah. So that took us a really long time to develop as simple as it looks. And that's why it's also kind of like more crinkly. Um, and that is, you know, it's something we're really proud of. And obviously it's still something that gets thrown out and, and so it's not ideal, but, you know, instead of taking 10,000 or however, mil- I don't know how long it takes plastic to, to degrade and, and too freaking long. Yeah. Ours is, <laughs> that's really compostable, but even if it goes into the soil, it'll degrade much faster than plastic. And then, you know, our, there's, I, we, I have this whole spiel around our sustainability, but I still feel embarrassed by the, by what we're not doing. Like I know our lid is plastic. I know it's not perfect. Like it would be nice if it was just made of like leaves and air, you know, <laughs> we explored every option. And so it's embarrassing sometimes to say we're sustainable because I, all I can think about um, being sort of the self-critical person that I am is the stuff that we're not doing. So 
Um, but yeah, like, like I said before, like that is what makes a good entrepreneur. You're always striving to be better, to make a better product, to serve the environment in a better way. So I think it's a sign of a really smart and driven entrepreneur. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's a nice framing of it. <laughs> I also love all the little details. So you have these eyeballs on every single pre-roll. Um, tell us where that came from. Cause I just thought it was such a fun little moment of joy from a, from a branding perspective. Thanks. And I mean, that's exactly what it is and what it, what it was intended for. Um, you know, and that's, I take no credit for that and our packaging. That's all my partner, Erwin. He's amazing. Um, and has a very good sense of humor as anybody I think that experiences our brand can see. Um, and so I think it was just sort of like, you know, we wanted to do something like you said earlier that was felt really elevated and just, um, fresh, especially I think in the cannabis space. But, um, I think the eyes just are kind of this, I think our brand is, is there's a very real juxtaposition of our brand where we like highest high and low, you know? And I think, mm-hmm. um, our, our packaging is really elevated, but I think the eyeballs are sort of like a nod to just sort of the fun that, or, or, you know, just showing people that we are actually fun and we have a sense of humor and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's Playful. something, yeah. And it's also just something really fun to look at if you're stoned and you're like smoking a joint, <laughs> and you're like staring at the eyes and they're staring back at you. And it's also, you know, the side eye and the, um, looking out for the police or whatever. I mean, there's <laughs> to like interpret that. I think that's so fun. Uh, and it's also really great from a brand recognition standpoint. Like you can spot your product anywhere in the world if someone's, uh, you know, smoking it. So I, th- I thought just from a, from a branding marketing perspective, brand recognition perspective, and then that elevation piece that we, you mentioned that high low, it's like wearing Chanel and Target together. You know what I mean? And it, it all just makes sense. No, so I love that perspective. No, totally. And I think you're right. It's not something that we had like concertedly tried to do, but it's interesting because we get a lot of like people um, tagging us where they're like, it's just an ashtray full of our, um, you know, full of eyeballs. Yeah. The eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks really, we love, I mean, it's like, it looks really good. And, and, you know, even if someone, hopefully people don't litter, but you know, when they do, you, you know, <laughs> um, and so where did the name pure beauty come from? Yeah, so that is, um, so we get asked this all the time. It's a, it's actually a John Baldessari reference. Um, he was a conceptual artist. And so Pure mm-hmm. Beauty was a book that was a retrospective of his work. Um, and so the way it kind of came about is, again, my partner Erwin was like sitting on his couch, the um, Pure Beauty book, the John Baldessari Pure Beauty book was on his table. And he was like, oh, that's it. That's the name. Um, and it was just, you know, I think what we all liked about it is one that it's sort of this art reference, um, kind of obscure art reference, which is, you know, art is kind of at the D the DNA of our brand. Um, and then secondly, I think kind of, you alluded to this in the beginning, it sort of sounds like a beauty salon, you know, which Mm -hmm. is, which is kind of funny to us. It's sort of, again, that high, low thing that's happening. And, um, it's even funny. I was like on LinkedIn yesterday and I saw this woman, um, who was a hair technician. It was like, her, it was like Deborah hair technician. And, and, um, she was using our logo <laughs> in her, like in her profile, um, which I don't know if that's a breach of anything, but I just thought it, it is. That is an intellectual property violation. I had put my legal hat on there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I thought it was funny. Um, and then I think also it's just like a very literal reference to our flower and the things we stand for, you know, like the words pure and beauty. Um, mm. And then, you know, the the thing I like about this origin story, if you even want to call it that, is um, it's kind of indicative of how we approach everything, which is really like, 
casually and simplistically and sort of serendipitously, you know, I think the way we choose who we partner with or, you know, what kinds of, what kinds of products we even want to make or, you know, how we, the, the sort of photo shoots we do, it's all very sort of intuitive decision-making um, that just feels right and works really well for us. And I think that authenticity of the way we approach things, I think is really felt um, by our community and in our brand. And even as you're sort of experiencing all of our products. Totally. Well, I mean, I just went through my first introduction to the product, so I'm probably a really great uh, person to reflect that back uh, from. And I also felt like it was um, almost like a little bit of self-care, like the name Pure Beauty. Anytime you open the box, like just the experience of it feels very much like self-care. So I do think that there's a through line that is very consistent and, like you said, very intuitive um, and aligned for me, at least I thought I really enjoyed the entire experience. I actually thought that the, um, the, that Mylar type bag that you were just talking about that to me felt like, um, like a sous vide bag, you know, the sous vide cooking method. No, where you yeah, submerge. Yeah, totally. It does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, interesting. What a cool theory that I would never have thought to do that, but it allows you to then, you know, seal and pack, but I had no idea that it was made out of, um, such compostable materials, which makes me love it and you even more. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. No. And, and, and I think it's interesting. Um, you're saying the self-care thing, because I think, you know, I don't think you look at us and you think wellness, you know, um, necessarily. Right. And I don't know if that's necessarily what you were referring to when you said self-care, but I think, um, what we really, for me personally, and like what we try and reflect in the brand is that, um, you know, when I get high, the reason that it's such a profound experience for me is because it gives you this perspective shift that helps you see the world in these very different ways. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's a reminder as again, being a very neurotic person, like, um, <laughs> just a reminder not to take life too seriously and to have fun with things, you know? And I think that for me is self-care. Like I've done every single like type of yoga and meditation, and I've never been able to like accomplish that feeling of presentness um, mm. I have with weed. And it took me a long time to even admit that to myself because I am such a like wellness person in a way. And I'm like, no, it can't come through drugs, you know? <laughs> but, um, but, but, you know, and I think that that's what our brand is all about is, is, you know, and that's why art is so important because I think art does the same things in that way that, that weed can do for you. You know, it really like kind of takes you out of, um, takes you out of what you're doing and, and, and yeah, out of your head into that present moment. And really that's why these conversations I have decided to integrate into the, um, podcast. I think you're our first cannabis company that we have actually invited on. We've had ancillary businesses uh, to the cannabis industry. But to me, I think that it's really important that we destigmatize this as, uh, you know, as the country starts to go legal. Um, For me, you know, it was something that I grew up with. My dad was a hippie in the 60s. I shared this story with you. And and this whole universe of, of cannabis is opening up in such a major way. So it's, I feel like it's part of my mission to further missions of brands like yours and make sure that they're shared with our community. So that's kind of my, my commitment to, to your industry. Um, and with that, we're going to take a really quick break. We will be right. right back. Hi guys, me again. I wanted to take a quick break to tell you more about our award-winning marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We're a full service digital and experiential agency, meaning we do it all. From event management to content creation, branding, web design, and social media. We're a small but scrappy team of both data nerds and quirky creatives, and we're here to make you look good. After this episode, let's chat about how we can elevate your brand and take you to the next level. 
All right, guys, thanks for sitting with us. And if you are just tuning in, I am sitting here and I am chatting with uh, my friend Imelda, who is the co-founder and CEO of Pure Beauty, which is uh, an art and artist and female-driven cannabis brand. We were talking about the origin story before the break. I want to shift focus and talk now about how it feels to be a woman in a highly male-driven industry, um, because I know that that's a mission that you stand behind very strongly as well. Yeah, no, um, I think... It's interesting because on one level, you know, um, you hear there's a lot of talk about women in weed in the space, and that's very real. There is a very strong community of really supportive women, which has been amazing for me personally because I've leaned on that so much. And we we all kind of, I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I feel like there is a common experience of being, you know, what it's like to be a woman in this space and also a minority, you know, um, as, mm-hmm. as I think those are separate but overlapping um, experiences. Um, at the same time, you know, for me personally, most of the stuff that um, we're doing to sort of um, grow the brand. So for example, um, fundraising, um, working with building out our cultivation or manufacturing, you know, working on licensing deals in other States, all of these things that are very major things to our brand that involve a lot of like negotiation and communication. Um, most of the time I find that I'm like the only female or minority in the room. Um, and so that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's hard to say, it's hard to quantify how, you know, what kind of adversity that means. And I think for myself, um, you know, my whole life I've been a, a minority in a, in a, pretty homogenous environment. You know, I grew Mm -hmm. up with that experience and I think it was really hard when I was younger, but I think what it did um, for me is that I'm sort of used to it now. And and I think I'm, I'm good at it. If you can, if you can call it that, you know, (laughs) you're an expert in persevering. (laughs) Um, And so, um, you know, and I think this is a separate topic, but I think that's why diversity is so important to me because I find those environments extremely oppressive. You know, Mm. um, I think that, in terms of the, you know, again, like it's hard to quantify what impact that's had on myself or my business um, without proof. But I think, you know, one thing that you can quantify is, is sort of access to capital. Um, and, and like, if you look at statistically, women get a very disproportionately low amount of funding and, and then black and Latinx people get, I think it's like one in 2% of all VC funding. And even within that, um, you know, women that are black or are Latinx, you know, myself being part of that group is, is a a tiny, tiny percentage. So again, it's hard to quantify what that means, what that's meant for me personally, but I know it's there, you know, for all women and, and people of color as well. Well, I think that you're really leading the charge. Like you said, you were brought up in an environment where you had to claw and fight and, it has made you stronger on the other side of it. And the fact that you decided to go into an industry that also is heavily male-driven, I don't know, I, I don't believe things happen by accident. So I think that that entire life's journey has brought you to this point by very intentionally, right? Yeah. Um, and you're a freaking powerhouse in this category. So I'm really excited to continue this conversation and more importantly, to see where you take the brand because uh, thus far, I've been nothing but impressed with what you've done. Oh, I really appreciate you saying that. I've never thought of myself as a powerhouse, but um, but I'll take it. <laughs> We're taking that power back for you today, right? Yeah, thank you. 
So let's shift focus a little bit and talk about the um, the the marketing behind the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about the naming and all of that and how the you know the high low theory. But you have chosen four very specific colors, each of which represent a different um, strain or category, right? So can you tell us like how did you come to that? conversation and conclusion yeah so that's that's way more again my, my partners Erwin and Tracy are, are more on sort of the the branding and marketing side but I think it was just sort of again like an intuitive artistic decision making of, of just you know what we thought would work what was interesting about it though and and this is sort of a, an aside but um you know we're, we're an indoor flower brand and if you know indoor flower brands most of the time they're very masculine you know so mm. think about who are the leading um kind of indoor flower brands it's like cookies alien labs jungle boys you know connected yeah and so you know you look at their instagram and you look at that aesthetic um it's it's again it's super and, and not to not to disparage that in any way i think i have respect for for what all of them are doing but um and I don't think I don't know if this was intentional on Irwin's part, but you know I think our 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 aesthetic and and those colors specifically are a lot um, you know are a lot more feminine or at least gender neutral you know and um, particularly we thought it was funny to put the the indicas you know like very strong OG strains in a pink box you know <laughs> stronger but but what's funny is like you know, when we first launched in the market, we kind of got shit on a little bit for that. Like all of these like kind of old school buyers were like, why is this in a pink box? Your packaging's so boring. <laughs> like, let me help you with it, you know? And, um, and um, I think that's, that's turned around a lot now. And I think what's in, what's funny about that though, is that, you know, our flower was so good and impressive and stood up to, to, you know, what a really good indoor flower brand is. And so, so we kind of gained credibility that way. And then um, I think people just started like, as, as our brand started picking up momentum, then it it became more, um, more normalized. Yeah. I I think it's really smart. And, you know, I have conversations with my husband about this all the time because he's the one typically that, that buys for our family. And he always complains Like he loves good packaging. He's a designer at heart. um, But he always complains about the different price ranges, uh, you know, within this world. Yeah. And he, he talks about, and I'm sure you're very clear on this, that, you know, most of the prices that you, or the money that you spend in a more high-end category is on that packaging. And it's so useless, right? You throw it away. It's so wasteful. I know. What, what value are you getting out of it other than brand recognition on, you know, as a consumer, that really doesn't make that much difference to me, you know? Yeah, no. And we've tried to avoid that. I mean, that's why we've tried to be super minimal with our packaging, but it is still really hard. And as we've gotten bigger, obviously you get, you know, you can spend less on packaging and stuff. But but yeah, no, I think for me, that's always been a pet peeve, not just from a cost, but from a um, waste perspective, when you open totally. like 10 layers of things, you're like, why is the, why are there like five levels of plastic before you get to this one tiny gummy? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I mean, other than of course, the safety issues, which are, yeah. you know, regulated, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's been a big conversation in our house. And so when you mm-hmm. sent uh, over your products for us, he was like, this, they've done it the right way. This makes so much sense. And, uh, and he's one of the pickiest, um, you know, players in my life. So <laughs> for him to say that, I was like, got it. You, you're into this. It's great. It's good feedback. I appreciate that. He sounds very smart. <laughs> he, he is. He married me after all. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so I have a, a question just because I'm a bit of a novice um, in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in the CBD space specifically, I should say, I'm, I'm very well versed in the other categories. Do people actually smoke CBD flower and does it get you high? I don't really understand that. Yeah, it's kind of hard to explain, but, but yes, it does get you, it depends on how much THC is in there. So, oh, so it's a combination. Got yeah, it. Okay. So we kind of work together symbiotically. Like that's why, um, for me, you know, I don't, 100% believe in just CBD only products that are in the market. Although people I trust have had very profound experiences with it. So, so, but my, my personal experience is that you need at least a little bit of, of THC um, to sort of really bring out the, the CBD. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's, it, it depends. Like sometimes it gets you high, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily get you as high. I think it's more just like a relaxing more medicinal. Did you send you any CBD pre-rolls? You did. And I didn't smoke it because I was like, oh, CBD, I don't really do that. It's like not a big deal for me. So I actually still have it because I was like, I don't know if I need to smoke this because CBD doesn't do a whole lot for me. Um, But now that you're saying it's a combination, that makes more sense. Yeah. So sometimes it'll get you high, but just not as high. But generally, um, it's it's a more relaxing high. Um, We have a strain um, called Terry Tea. I don't know if we sent that to you, but if we haven't, um, remind me and I'll send it to you, which I think is like the first time I'm like, this is exactly what CBD is supposed to be. <laughs> and at least in my head and, and, and to me, it's, and it's actually even like less than 1% THC, but, um, but it kind of feels like, and I know you're not supposed to make these comparisons in cannabis, but it kind of feels like you took a Xanax, you know, <laughs> you don't really feel high, but you feel something and it feels very good. Um, so, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I will retract that statement and I will give it a, give it a puff, so to speak. Yeah, but let me <laughs> um, know you want me to send you that. I appreciate I it. Um, I, I, you can send me anything you want. I am a fan for life, my dear. Oh, amazing. That makes me happy. <laughs> we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about what you see in terms of the regulatory side, because, you know, we're having a lot of fun talking about packaging and, um, and then the more serious conversation around diversity, which I think is also really critical. And now I want to understand, you know, your perspective on what's going to happen in terms of the federal regulation, because I think that's a really big question mark for everyone. So yeah. stay tuned. Enjoying the episode? I certainly hope so, but we have no way to know unless you tell us. After this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app of choice and let us know what you love and what you want to hear next. This podcast is all about you, and how else are we going to elevate your brand unless you talk to us? All right, guys. Thank you so much for sticking with us. I am chatting with uh, Amelda, who is the co-founder and CEO of Pure Beauty, which is a fantastic cannabis brand. Um, and before the break, we were talking a bit about uh, you know the different types of strains and what they're supposed to do to you and all that good stuff. I want to take a little bit more of a serious conversation about federal regulation and uh, what you're seeing, because I know that you're, of course, clearly involved in it and following what's happening uh, nationally and more and more states. I think the most recent state was New York, which was a big deal, right? Yeah. Um, are legalizing uh, cannabis, which I think should have happened years ago. I'm sure you agree with yeah. me. I believe that um, that uh, that psilocybin is going to be next. I think that's regula- yeah. regulator- re- regulatorily is going to be starting to be more acceptable. But focusing on on cannabis for the time being, what are you seeing happening in this space, um, and what do you hope for? I mean, I would hope for a complete, um, com- complete legalization and the of allowance course, yeah. of, um, <laughs> I mean, that's the ideal scenario. I mean, I think, um, I think most importantly is, um, just sort of 
decriminalizing it, you know, federally is, is super important because, you know, that's so deeply connected to all of the um, criminal justice reform issues that that are, you know, very unfair <laughs> and happening. And discrimination it's, within that. I mean, that's yeah. not talk about one without the other, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like the you can't deny the fact that black and brown people are being disproportionately incarcerated for um, crimes, the same crimes as, as white people. And, and so, totally. so on that level, I think that's kind of the most important thing. Um, from our perspective as a business, um, just even getting banking. Um, and I know that that's something yeah. that I think we're hopefully close on and might happen this year. Um, if, if, if that were to happen, I think that would be pretty a profound effect for the industry. Um, but, you know, I think, I think it's, it's going to be a while before anything. Um, I've, I've heard so many mixed things. I think it's going to be a while before anything that aside from banking, um, that happens that, that is that profound, that affects the industry that profoundly on a national scale. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, I think that, you know, more conservative States are going to be very, uh, you know, against this and they have been for, you know, since the beginning of time, truly. Um, so it'll, it'll, it'll have to come from the top down. Um, maybe this, maybe this, um, administration will have something to say about that. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, either way, I know that brands in this space are pushing forward and it's becoming more and more, um, kind of okay. And mm-hmm. less people are less sensitive to it. And frankly, I, I think that it's important to talk about how different and how I think more valuable the experience of cannabis is to even things like alcohol, right? That comparison is totally. ridiculous. The fact that we have decriminal have, have criminalized one and not uh, criminalized the other where, you know, when you're drinking heavily, there's so much more, uh, you know, issues that arise both totally. physically as well as, you know, actually in the criminal justice system, abuse, fights. I mean, all the, all the things that happen within, within that, um, so what is your perspective on how we can, as consumers, make a difference? Oof, that's a, <laughs> it's a big question, I know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it, one, it's uh, supporting brands that are actually like doing things and that care, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I think it's um, being aware of, you know, um, where, like, I think, I don't know how, how, much effect I, I feel kind of cynical about how, how much effect we the, the the system has on sort of policy making but right. um, I think part of you know what's been really distressing going back to the d- diversity thing issue about this is that it's become a pretty um, corporatized industry and I think you know when you look at all of the companies that are biggest and most powerful um, it does not seem to be on their agenda that that these issues, one being um, sort of the criminal justice stuff, two being the social equity piece, and then three being diversity. And that's right. very clear by the decisions that they're making. So um, I don't know how sort of the average consumer can, um, what they can specifically do about that, but that goes back to sort of <laughs> the democratic system and, and, and trying to take down the way, um, you know, the way money is is influences allocated yeah allocated and influences decision making and um how you know how we choose to roll out 
um, legalist. No pun intended. Um, There's too many good puns in this space. I I can't. I know. I know. I, and I, I, I like, I love all of them. (laughs) Um, But I think that's something New York is really struggling with, you know, they're trying to kind of do the right thing, but um, I think a lot of the, you know, social equity programs in most states have failed for a number of reasons. And, and which is why you don't see, you still don't see a lot of really big, well-financed companies being run by, um, by any sort of people of color or women or anything, you know? And so, um, so I think, yeah, on the small scale support those businesses, but I think, um, to the extent that it's possible, get involved in the, in the policy making and, and, but, you know, the same can be said of, of so many different industries. I mean, that's the, for me, the issue with like unfettered capitalism, you know, of course, institutional yeah. racism. <laughs> of course, much, much bigger conversation uh, to yeah. unpack for sure. So speaking to the support of, you know, local brands, how can people find you? Um, on Instagram and our website. So our Instagram handle is, um, pure beauty, pure beauty. And then our, and we're actually like shadow band, I think. So it's kind of hard to find this. Um, and, uh, and then on our, on our website and then I think that's it. And and me personally, I mean, I'm in LA, so, um, (laughs) yeah. So for those of you listening in, it's pure beauty, pure beauty.co. So make sure you know that it's a duplicate of the name, pure beauty, pure beauty.co. Uh, same thing on their uh, on their social handle. So make sure you find them. The, their content is really beautiful. The website's really beautiful. Um, and uh, of course, they'll share, share it with you on the site where you can order online for delivery and all the good things. Um, I'm so glad that you had time to come on the podcast today. So thank you for your time. In the last minute or two, we have left. I want to shift focus and just have a little bit of fun and ask you some playful questions. You ready? Yeah. Awesome. All right. So what is the one thing that you could not live without during COVID and you cannot say your product? Okay. <laughs> Cause that is, that, that would be my, I mean, thing. I'm sure. Yeah, no, I think, um, I think human can like friends is, does that count? <laughs> Absolutely. Human connection. Think, so important. Um, yeah, I would like, I would need that to survive anything. Just having someone to call and commiserate with or cry to or whatever. <laughs> For sure. Um, if you drink, what is your cocktail of choice? Um, I would say uh, margarita. I mean, I'm Mexican, so and, and I love margaritas. It's perfect. I love tequila, and I love the yeah. sweet and the salty. So, so and it goes well with weed. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't everything truly? I mean, you yeah, can it pair it with anything. Uh, and then, last but not least, uh, your favorite word and why. And this could be something that has really significant, a lot of significance for you currently. This could be something that just popped into your head. Um, just a word that has meaning to you, and explain why. Um. Hmm. I would say um, Zelda. It's my daughter's name. Um, and it, you know, it just makes me feel good to hear it for that reason. And then it's also um, one of our first um, weed strains that we <laughs> that we put out that was very, you know, popular and we love. So I love that. Uh, well, I'm going to pass the mic to you for final words of wisdom about uh, your product, your brand, the industry at whole, whatever you feel in terms of a wrap up for our audience. Oh, um, hmm. Words of wisdom. I'm, I need words of wisdom. <laughs> um, I think I would just, you know, say that, that, um, it's, this is a very hard industry, but, um, I think if you're passionate about it, you'll succeed. And, um, I think finding, uh, really good partners that you feel philosophically aligned with and that you just like as people is, is the key to success. 
I love it. Well, clearly you and I are philosophically aligned and very much uh, enjoy each other. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Really appreciate the time. No, thank you for having me. This was super fun. And um, you're, you're very easy to, to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. And thank you all for tuning in. Stay tuned for more Elevate Your Brand coming up next. Music.